Welcome back to the Starting Strength Channel. This is episode number three of our podcast. Once again, coming to you from our northern studios in Costillo County, Colorado. So today's podcast, I'm going to uh, talk about something that for those of you who have been following uh, the website and the books closely for some time, and certainly for those of you who have been to our seminar, uh, will be uh, repetitive and pedantic and boring. So uh, we're going to talk about strength and its importance to the universe. And uh, if you've been exposed to this material, it's just going to be a repetition. There's probably nothing I'm going to come up with that's brilliant and new today. But since we're preparing uh, this series of uh, audio recordings for people who may not be that familiar with our material, I thought we might as well start at the beginning. And there is no better beginning to start at than strength. What is strength and why do we give a damn about strength? Strength is quite simply the the ability to produce force against an external resistance. The development of tension within the contractile machinery of our muscles. That tension is applied to our skeletal components, muscles being attached to bones. And the bones that our muscles move are how we interact with our environment. The interaction of, of our skeletal levers powered by our muscles is basically the entirety of our physical existence. We, we interact with our environment, with our muscles, uh, acting upon our bones as a system of levers. That system of levers multiplies the uh, rather short ability of our muscles to contract as a percentage of their own length. Most of the time, you'll you'll calculate the contracting length of a muscle belly, and it might only be 25%. Yet, we're able to run 15 miles an hour. And the, the reason that that is possible is through the, uh, the magic of leverage as uh, multiplied by the skeletal attachments and the mechanical advantages acquired from the position of the attachment of the muscles on those bones. Strength is... a uh, an extremely fundamental quality in uh, athletics and in in life, for that matter. And we'll talk more about the the life version of it later. But but strength for athletics is really the most fundamental thing that you can improve, because strength is the basis of all of the other types of athletic adaptations that. Uh, uh, that we see developed in athletes in all different sports, all different types of sports depend on strength at one level or another. Now, lots and lots of sports neglect the development of strength. And as a result, the athletes in those sports have got a long way to go and a lot of potential for improvement through the simple focus on you know, a, a, an effective type of strength training program like barbell training that the kind of thing that we we teach in our books and, and seminars. If if you've got a high level athlete, a high high level genetic freak type athlete with a thirty eight inch vertical jump, who has never been through an effective strength training program, and is for instance displaying squat strength of uh, three sixty five for set of five something like that, uh, without having trained it. 
That's a pretty good squat. But you have to stop for a second and consider how much better that athlete would be were he to go through the simple process of developing his strength from 365 on up to the mid-500s. That is not an incredibly complicated process, and it's certainly accessible to people of that, of that genetic capacity. And uh, it's, a, it's a shame that more strength coaches aren't as effective as they should be in directing these types of athletes in that, in that, uh, in that direction. Uh, the development of just basic strength, sets of five under the bar. And uh, this this type of strength improvement radically improves power production and agility and every other aspect of athletic performance on the field. And uh, you think uh, a, a great athlete is performing uh, brilliantly on the field at a 365 level of strength, Get him to 550 and see what happens. It's nothing short of amazing. And it's easy enough to do. Uh, Strength being the production of force against against an external resistance. I guess we ought to probably go back and define our terms very quickly. Uh, An external resistance. Why do we stipulate that strength must be the force produced against an external resistance? And it is basically for purposes of calculating the the quantity. Uh, if the deadlift bar is laying on the floor and the lifter picks up the deadlift bar, two things are moving, the bar and the lifter. The bar and the lifter form a system. Movement is taking place in both. If we calculate the force being produced within the lifter's body, for instance... This is easy to see. The muscular effort that is involved in maintaining the isometric position of the spine as a flat, rigid bar to transmit moment force during the pull. We have several vertebral segments that we have to calculate the force between, don't we? This is a rather complicated process. In fact, it's probably not possible to do. It's certainly not practical. And as a result, all of the force that's being developed within the skeletal components of the lifter that contribute to the force production against the bar such that we develop sufficient force to overcome the load and pull the thing up the legs. All of these extraneous forces, well, they're not really extraneous, they're just hard to calculate, make the problem of force calculation very, very complicated. So what we do is we just stipulate that we're going to measure the force produced against the load, the external resistance, and let that be the strength calculation. It works just perfectly, and it actually enables us to know what the hell is going on in a a complicated situation like that. So strength is force production against an external resistance. What is force? Force is that which causes motion or acceleration. And I'm sorry, it's just not possible to define it in any more terms that aren't self-referential. Force is the quantity which causes things to move. So the production of force against an external resistance has obvious applications to sports and to just moving around in the world. Probably the the easiest one to see 
although um, we oftentimes mistake the uh, potential for the development of this, is for the relationship between strength and power. The easiest way to sum that up is a man with a 500-pound deadlift always has a higher power clean than a man with a 200-pound deadlift. And that's easy enough for everybody to understand, isn't it? The power clean being an extremely easy way to measure force pro- uh, power production. In a power clean, uh, the bar must be pulled up off the ground fast enough to contribute sufficient momentum to the load that it continues to fly on up after the pull has stopped and the catch begins. When you catch a power clean, your feet move to position you in, in, in such a way that you can catch the bar after the pull stops. The pull stops when your feet lose contact with the floor. And then you have to get under the bar and catch it on your shoulders. That repositioning breaks contact with the ground. When contact with the ground is broken, force production between the ground and the barbell stops. At that point, the bar must be moving up fast enough so that the momentum of the bar carries it upward, continues to carry it upward, long enough before its momentum before its upward velocity rather goes to zero and it starts falling back down in order for you to catch it on your shoulders. In other words, the barbell must be accelerated through that phase of the movement. It must be accelerated fast enough so that it continues on upward while you catch it. That acceleration is a display of power. Power is strength displayed quickly. The clean only takes about half a second, six-tenths of a second, seven-tenths of a second if it's very heavy. And uh, as a result of that, you don't have a lot of time to recruit a bunch of motor units into contraction to produce sufficient force to make the thing accelerate fast enough so that it continues on up after your feet break contact with the ground. The faster you can recruit motor units into contraction, the more force you can apply to the bar. But let's not lose sight of the fact that strength is an extremely important component of this equation as well. Strength is the amount of force that you can apply to the bar. Now, that amount of force must be applied quickly in order for the bar to accelerate. But if you can't produce the force, you can't produce the acceleration. And that's the reason why the 500-pound deadlifter cleans more weight than the 200-pound deadlifter. It doesn't matter how efficient the 200-pound deadlifter is at contracting his motor units quickly, like the kind of uh, a, a genetic individual you would see that has a 38-inch vertical jump. Uh, those types of freaky people are just very, very efficient at recruiting their muscles into an explosive contraction more so than a person with a 22-inch vertical jump, which is much more normal. However, a man with a 22-inch vertical and a 500 deadlift is going to deadlift, is going to clean, rather, more than the man with a 38-inch vertical and a 200 deadlift. And that's just the way it is. Strength displayed quickly, which is power, requires that strength be there to display 
And as a result, the development of strength is an extremely important and quite often overlooked aspect of the development of power. But uh, the point in this discussion is to show that strength is a, uh, an extremely important aspect of the athletic performance attribute we call power. Much more frequently questioned is the contribution of strength to endurance. Endurance athletics, running a marathon, road cycling down the highway, uh, these types of things often come with a lot of concern by their participants for, uh, for strength training. Uh, the mere suggestion that a, that a road cyclist should get his squad up is often met with a lot of, uh, a lot of resistance because of the, the perceived complication that uh, these guys have about gaining weight, gaining their own, gaining body weight, improving uh, their own muscle mass, includes the uh, unfortunate, as far as they're concerned, cost of, of becoming heavier. Now, the easiest way to address this, the fastest way to address this, is just to point out that a bigger motor doesn't slow the car down, even though it weighs more. The motor, the larger, heavier motor, is what's producing the increased power. The, the, the force to the pedals comes as a result of, the increased force to the pedals comes as a result of having gained the muscle mass. Now, no one is suggesting that a, that a road cyclist, a committed road cyclist, needs to gain 50 pounds of body weight. But in the gaining of 20 pounds of body weight and the improvement of their performance, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, really important that you as a strength coach be able to explain to these people why that's necessary and and this is an easy thing to explain and I like to use our analogy of riding the the bicycle down the road every August in Wichita Falls we have a race called the hotter than hell hundred it attracts oh you know 15,000 riders from all over the country and People like to come out to Wichita Falls and ride their bike, even though it's 9 million degrees out there, because the roads are nice and flat. And as a result, everybody's century time is nice and fast. So let's take the example of a guy in the Hotter Than Hell 100. Let's just make him a recreational cyclist, and he's going to be riding down a nice, flat North Texas road, you know, at 8 in the morning, so it's not terribly hot, at a velocity of about 18 miles per hour and a pedal cadence of about 75 RPM. That's a recreational speed and a recreational pedal cadence. Uh, Obviously, the competitive riders are riding faster and they're using cadences up around 85, 90, but our recreational guy is going to go 18 miles an hour down the highway at a pedal cadence of 75 RPM. And every single time he pushes down on the pedals, he is expending force against the pedals. That amount of force is quantifiable as a percentage of his absolute strength. And if you'll, if you'll give me that, then what we'll do is we'll take this recreational cyclist into the weight room and we will measure his set of five squats. And let's just say he can squat 100 pounds for a set of five. And that 100-pound set of five is a proxy for his absolute strength. In other words... A percentage of that absolute strength, a sub-maximal percentage, obviously, because he's doing it for 
seven or eight hours at a time, is, uh, is what he's doing every time he pushes down on the pedals. Let's ignore the complicated circular pedal model. He's pushing down on the pedals with a percentage of his absolute strength. And every time he does so, he is exerting himself sub-maximally. Now, in the weight room, we are going to take that kid that's squatting 100 pounds for five, and we're going to double his squat. It's going to take us five weeks. And if this sounds preposterous to you, then you don't know anything about increasing strength in a correctly designed barbell strength training program. We can do that for anybody. Any functioning intact male can double their squat from uh, 100 pounds for five to 200 pounds for for five in a space of four or five weeks. So just put aside your disbelief and trust me today, now we've got the kid doing twice as much weight on the squat In other words, we have doubled his absolute strength. Now, let's take him back out on the cycle, put him on the road. Every time he pushes down on the pedals, each one of those pedal depressions represents a percentage of his absolute strength. And let's say that it was 20% of his absolute strength before he got stronger. Now, we have doubled his strength. We have doubled his absolute strength. He's back on the bike. He's doing the same 18 miles an hour, 75 RPM. But now, each one of those pedal strokes represents half of the previous level of absolute strength before he doubled his strength. In other words, now, each one of those pedal strokes represents 10% of his absolute strength. What can he do with that extra margin? Well, he could probably drive a taller gear, couldn't he? He could go up to whatever gear places him at 21 miles an hour at 75 RPM. Or he could maintain that same 75 RPM at 18 miles an hour in that in the smaller gear for a longer period of time because now each one of the pedal strokes represents half of the effort that it did previously. If you don't think this is the case, ask someone who has done it. We have thousands of people that read the board all the time that will attest to the fact that this rather easy-to-obtain strength increase radically transformed their endurance training performance. So the relationship of strength to endurance is extremely critical. And uh, I think that uh, those of you listening to the program today that are involved in either endurance athletics or coaching these people should give some serious thought to uh, going through the, the initial stages of just getting your basic strength up and see what happens to your performance. Uh, reports from all over the world indicate that There is no better way to improve endurance athletics than just getting a little bit stronger. Now, how is strength important to uh, something as seemingly immune to strength like balance? How is strength important to balance? Balance is a problem for older people. And why would that be? What is the common factor 
as we age amongst all people. Everybody gets weaker as they get older because of the inevitable changes in muscle mass. Even with training, you get weaker as you get older. You stave off the process by continuing to train as you age. And certainly the person who has never trained before and finds themselves at the age of 55 years old who starts to train is going to see a radical improvement in their strength. But what does strength have to do with balance? What is balance? Balance is the ability to maintain the position of your center of mass, which is uh, in a standing person in normal anatomical position, which is centered at a point about an inch and a half, two inches in front of your sacrum. The ability to keep that center of mass centered over your center of balance, which is the middle of your feet standing in normal anatomical position, the middle of the foot lined up with each other, aligned across the middle of your feet as your center of balance. The further away from that position your center of mass gets, the more work you have to do. In other words, the more muscular force you have to exert in order to keep it in that position. A change in the center of mass over the center of balance happens every time you move. Every time you walk, every time you shift position while you're standing or while you're seated, you're shifting your center of mass relative to your center of balance. When you reach the point where you have lost the ability to produce sufficient force that you can control the position of those two points, then you are now in a position where you might fall. When old people fall, they usually die. If you fall, if you're 75 years old and you fall and break your pelvis, you all know somebody like that and you all know what happened. It's a very bad situation. And the simple fact of the matter is, is it's largely preventable by you keeping yourself strong. Or if you've neglected that, then getting strong. Strength is an extremely important quantity for older people to be thinking about. We've put Lots and lots and lots of elderly people on strength training programs. The exercise science is full of studies that demonstrate, even with bad training methodology that's typical of exercise science, we still see radical improvements in a very short period of time in these people's strength and therefore their ability to get along by developing force production against an external resistance in their environment. Strength is strength. It's an amazing thing. Now, what about health? The health aspects of strength relate to your ability to keep from falling, obviously. But it also relates to the fact that a strong person has maintained more muscle mass. Muscle mass is an extremely important place for immune system functions to take place. The more muscle mass you have when you enter into a period of illness, the easier it is for you to get out of it. If you have become old and frail and skinny and weak, something that might not bother a younger, stronger, bigger person might kill you. And you all know of examples of that having happened as well. So strength is very important to health in terms of uh, 
your ability to keep from getting injured and your ability to withstand disease processes and infections that would that would kill a, a person with smaller muscles. So strength is an extremely fundamental quality. It's a quality that is sought by intelligent people of all ages, by athletes of every sport, and in fact, it is so highly prized an athletic adaptation that people are willing to risk their careers to obtain it the easy way. And by that, I mean steroids. What do steroids do? Steroids make you stronger. That's all they do. They make you stronger. They don't make you better at playing tennis. They don't make you better at playing baseball. They don't make you better at performing the snatch and the clean and jerk. What they do involves their effect on your strength levels, your ability to produce force, not your technique. And what everyone in sports finds that takes steroids for sports performance provides uh, finds that they are better at executing technique because they are stronger. So every baseball player that's ever been dragged before the Senate of the United States when, when these people decided to stick their noses into professional sports, uh, has been accused, basically, of taking steroids to get stronger, which is an admission that they were not strong enough, isn't it? Now, there are ways to get stronger that don't involve steroids, and that's what we do every day. We teach people how to squat, how to bench press, how to deadlift, how to press, and how to power clean to develop their power. So strength is an incredibly important commodity in, uh, in both athletics and in life. And if you're not strong, then the most important thing that you can do with your time, whether you're an athlete or a 55-year-old sedentary person, is to get stronger. And I hope we've discussed adequately the reasons why it's important. Thank you for listening to this third edition of the Starting Strength Channel. I'm Mark Ripito. Talk to you next time. Bye.